0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet.
1: Welcome once again to ESSR Central here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I am once again your host, Ross McLeod. And on such a massive week where there are two pay-per-view reviews and one pay-per-view preview, we want to get you a very special guest. Unfortunately, David Campbell cancelled. We are stuck with Sarah Grieve, and because he edits it, we're stuck with Scott McLeod. I'm sorry, guys. I tried to get better guests, but these are the two I'm stuck with.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, I'll have you know that you were looking and desperately looking for someone to join you last week, and I so graciously stepped up. The Ross
1: has no The Ross has no memory of that. But as we move swiftly on to away from your lies, uh, just to <laughs> remind people that any news, reviews, interviews, and previews you want to listen to, we more than likely have it on our massive back catalogue on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. Just search Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat wherever you get your podcasts and you'll be able to find us. And if you want to interact with us, well, that's fine too. At Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat community. A Smashing Week community, now spam-free, guys. Spam-free. Come back.
2: Oh, what a feeling.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I mentioned, guys, obviously it's a a big week because we have Impact Against All Odds to uh, to review. We have NXT to review uh, from this past Sunday. A massive NXT just happened there. We're looking ahead to NXT Great American Bash on July 6th. And of course, this Sunday, just a small matter of Hell in a Cell, the last pay-per-view of the lockdown era. So quite a bit to get through, and we're just going to dive right into it. And we're going to look look back at Impact from this past weekend. So Saturday night, against all odds, partially filmed at the Impact Studios, partially filmed at Daly's Place, the main event. We'll talk about that later, Moose versus Kenny Omega. But Sarah, you have the floor what match would you like to talk about from this past Saturday's Impact pay-per-view?
0: Um, well, the match that I want to talk about is um, the one that happens against all odds, and it was the what was supposed to be a number one contendership match for the X Division Championship. Um, usual, usual shenanigans, obviously, went on um, through that entire match. I mean... You had some high-flying, you had some um, people claiming, it's like, no, you're not meant to be doing that, and whatnot. And Trey McGill trying to act like he's got a personality. Um, <sighs> yes, because I just, I, I don't believe he actually has a personality. He's great in the ring, does not have a personality. <laughs> um, but it, it was it was just a, the, the usual style match, and you're just like... He, rooting for whoever you want um like they all put on great showings throughout that entire match um but none more so when um madman fulton which with all fairness impact have done so well to basically use madman fulton in a big a big guy role like a big scary man um, obviously, he didn't do so well when he was in NXT and had a very, very short-lived time in Sanity. Um, but Him basically trying to create um, a win for Ace Austin, um, which came to like one of the best parts of the match, where he basically powerbombed four guys in the one go, um, and therefore creating a a, a no contest. Because we all we all know it's coming. Like, Scott, we know it's coming. King of the Mountain is going to be happening at some point. Impact are going to bring back King of the Mountain, despite, like, even because, you know, Josh Alexander claimed twice in one promo that he was King of the Mountain. So that clearly <laughs> means that a King of the Mountain match is happening. Um, and the fact that they've been trying to get, like, these six men... To do the like or the five guys plus Josh Alexander, um, to sort of keep getting a new number one contender because it just seems to be these six guys that are you know making their way through the X Division right now. Um, so it's it was I think it, for me it was a good way to set up the King of the Mountain match that's so clearly going to happen at Slammiversary.
1: So yeah, obviously the match you're talking about there, the five way to determine the impact. That's right, the number one contender for the Impact X-Division title, Peter Williams, Trey Miguel, Ace Austin, Chris Bay and Rohit Raju. Ending in a no contest, obviously you mentioned King of the Mountain coming. Uh, you know, Josh Alexander, the X-Division champion, referring to himself as the King of the Mountain multiple times, it was like. don't know if, if anyone who didn't see it, Remember when Heath Ledger, uh, Ledger Fuck's that, that was a shock <laughs> on Raw. Remember when Heath Slater on Raw did the Legends gimmick and he was fighting Legends every week and it was a case of, you know, I'm the master and ruler of the world and you're like, well, Sid's going to come out. I don't have time for clowns. Well, Doink's going to come out. I need some protection, right? Obviously, APA's going to come out. It was just, <laughs> it's that sort of wrestling foreshadowing that Ultimately leads to heel being like what? What? Like you? you foreshadowed this. You foreshadowed I your own doom.
0: What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> so that, that just comes out. Don't look so surprised. You know it was me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Scott, obviously, um, you loved the match as well. This was your first choice. You're going to have to go to your second choice. What were your thoughts on the match?
2: I really enjoyed the match up until the finish. Uh, understand, you got to get find a way to get to that match. But again, like, it just screamed, you know, even had Madman falling yelling at the referee Dave Penzer afterwards, like, it's no DQ! When he came out <laughs> and just battered everybody, but it did make him look like an absolute monster. You know, he's the move where he chokeslammed two guys while having Trey and like, a slam position and Chris Bay around his neck for a powerbomb, like, just delivering this move at the same time on everybody. But the referee, for some reason, refusing to count it. I mean... Um, King of the Mountain isn't my favorite stipulation. I would have thought if they were going to do a multi-man thing, given it's the X Division, if possible, would they be able to do Ultimate okay. X, bring that back? Because that thing was fateful saying that they are trying to bring a or planning a crazy or dangerous stipulation match for Slammiversary. So it's either that or they want to do some sort of death related ma- death match style thing with Sammy Callahan. Like it, it could be either one of those two. But I'd be happy to see that. But as long as we don't have one of these moments of wrestling for Shadow where josh alexander wins king of the and raises the title up and we get the original king of the fucking jeff jarrett coming back because i think everybody knows my thoughts on jeff jarrett i'd pop for uh, that <laughs> anyone's listened to the best
0: oh, i would as well
2: <laughs> anyone who hasn't seen the worst uh, my pick for worst tna champions uh, on that sh- on the best worst championship. show where I just basically ripped Jeff Jarrett a new arsehole for his reign of terror from 2002 to 2006. (laughs) No, I would not be happy to see Jeff Jarrett.
1: But Scott, it's his world, his world. Not anymore.
2: Fucking by his world. believe I I, I can sell your gold.
1: (laughs) Right, so before Scott has a a mental breakdown over (laughs) a possible Josh Alexander versus uh, Jeff Jarrett match, um, <laughs> Scott, what match have you went
2: with? I think I'm going to go with the match that followed uh, the five way, which was W Morrissey taking on Rich Swan. Because you talk about you know putting somebody over, looking at somebody like a monster. Morrissey just absolutely destroyed Rich Swan. And you know I, I did kind of joke there was a bit of a come down for Swan because he was going to probably get destroyed by the new guy. So soon after losing it, came on Mega, when we all knew he was going to lose, but I think there are moments in the match you actually saw Ritz Swan at his best. You know he's better when he's fighting from underneath and when he's not having to be, you know, the strongly pushed, you know, world champion. You know he's better as an underdog on the chase, and so he helped. He's able to bump in a way that helped like make more feel even more like a monster than he already is. Like yeah, I had the finish where he delivered the two power bombs. He's just standing over Swan. Swan gives him the finger. And then Morrissey picked him up, and that's a third one that just properly you nearly know, put him to the ring, and then pinned him. Like everything was just a display of how he put like a new guy over. And you know, I think it really puts the rest of some of the doubters for Morrissey formula big cast because you know he had his first share of like detractors when he was they tried to push him as a singles guy in WAB, like that feud with Daniel Brown.
1: Yeah, I think obviously you talked about he had his detractors. I think there is a weird. Like it depends on who it is, you know what I mean? Like if it's uh if it's someone that the crowd always liked, it's always like, Oh, he's improved whereas when someone people don't really like goes away and does better, it's almost it's like fighting a losing battle to convince people like he's not that guy anymore. Like you know, if you if you told a WWE fan pre AEW debut that Lance Archer was a draw, you know. They'd laugh at you, you know. Like, no, no, that guy that was wearing leather pants with Kurt Hawkins. So I think, <laughs> I think, uh, I think Morrissey is quite like that. And you mentioned obviously the come down. Uh, Sarah Rich Swan has went from main event and cross brand pay per views to sort of putting the other guy over. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing when you look at exactly one year ago in your house, twenty twenty. Carrying Cross defeated Tommaso Ciampa, who was like the face of NXT for a good eighteen months.
0: I mean, yeah, no, it's it's a good point because Rich Swan. He was basically he was the entire babyface through pretty much the entirety of the lockdown era, um, like in his storylines from last Slam anniversary with the return of Eric Young coming full circle until like obviously losing the title to Kenny Omega I think like was having him not so much even job it's more just working with different people in different scenarios and this is what the beauty of Rich Swann actually is that I've never really gotten behind or been convinced of him as like the brand sort of at least not champion like, you can be the face of the brand without being the champion as well. Um, and Rich one is able to work with so many other different guys. and Plus, they keep it in the whole storylines. It's like, he's been doing this, or he did this to my pal. And obviously, because Morrissey had a really good match with Willie Mack. And that they, they keep that storyline in about how Rich and Willie Mack are best friends, and they've been through everything together. And... Um, so I, th- I think having him um, just on his own, just a one on one feud, is actually not the worst thing for him, because um, it kind of makes you want to enjoy Rich one again without him being, you know, the force down your throat champion. You're just like, right, okay, you came back from a career threatening injury. Who hasn't?
2: <laughs> we we've all had that rough summer. We've we? all
0: done it, Rich. I mean, yeah, I- we've
2: all had a, an ACL
1: tear or a a broken leg. Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, the not-forced-down-your-throat person. I think getting them away from the championship you know, picture and not having to be the face of the brand, because I think certainly when you're going up against AEW and it's the flavour of the month and it's the new thing and it's the new shiny toy and they've got Kenny Omega, who's been like the internet darling since 2017, when that's going up against Rich Swan, it's a bit of a mismatch. And I think that this is the, you know, I've, I've said before, it's not a demotion to be taking out the title picture. Sometimes it's better to be out the title picture and winning elsewhere than it is to be in the title picture consistently losing, e.g. Asker. But I think as well, um, before we move on to the main event, we'll just have a quick rundown of the rest of the cards so, card open with Sammy Callahan and Tommy Dreamer defeating the Good Brothers uh, in a street fight tag team match, uh, Joe Doering defeating uh, you're going to you? help. have to help me with that name
0: Kojima
1: oh, Kojima, there you go Kojima, um, <laughs> get defeated by <laughs> Joe Doering uh, the aforementioned Fatal 5 Way that ended in the DQ when uh, Sawyer Fulton battered everyone Uh, W. Morris defeating Rich Swann by pinfall. Tenille Dashwood along with Caleb with a K defeating Jordan Gracie. Uh, Fire and Flavor defending their Impact tag team titles against Kimberley and Susan. Violent by Design, which is uh, Dina and Rhino, uh, defeated Decay, Black Taurus and Crazy Steve for their (laughs) Impact tag team titles. Diana Perrazzo defending her title against Rosemary. And the main event taking place from AEW's home base of Daily's place in Jacksonville, Florida Kenny Omega defeats Moose via pinfall um, Sarah I'll start with you, thoughts on the match
0: um, Well we all knew that um, somebody was going to get involved it just happened Generation Me made the return to impact um, Good but God. the one thing I'm really <laughs> confused about is how does Sally Callahan get from Nashville to Florida so quickly when you know the good brothers were not meant to, you know, be able to travel that far so quickly, so I'm a little bit confused. The
1: good the brothers were not meant to travel that far that quickly, nothing was said about Sammy Callahan.
0: I know <laughs> he hacked his way through the through the uh, yeah, that's what he's done. <laughs> the forbidden um, door ultron, takes you
1: anywhere. He is
0: basically no, no, he is the wrestling ultron, he managed to, you know. Get his way through all the internet cables and get from one side of the country to the other. It happens. But this match, I actually, I loved it. Like it's the sort of match that Moose needs, Um, because Moose, we all know, he's supposed to be the proper champion of this company. I mean, no, no fake champion about it. Is meant to be god he's literally come from one like sort of entry from the from footballs uh to live out his dream already had the talent for it and work his way i mean you you look at the improvement that he had not only in the ring his, his presence as well as his um his promo cut and stuff like he doesn't have to say many words for you to go i like this um but th- this match, it, it was actually it was so much fun to watch. And like you can see the, the storytellers, like Kenny knows that there's some things from Moose that he needs to avoid. And then Moose obviously being too big to technically get put into the one win uh, one It's it was it was really good storytelling. Um, I I just I can't be bothered with seeing the elite getting involved every single goddamn time. Um, because it takes away from Kenny being that kind of wrestler that can win on his own, um, because we all know he can. So it, it, that's just one of my biggest pet peeves, when you see a babyface transition into a heel. Um, that They they start being the cowardly heel that need their pals to help them out. Um, so that's the one thing that I'm I'm starting to get quite pissed off with when it comes to Kenny Omega as a champion.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. It's um, like I don't mind a heel all of a sudden being like you know when the when the goody goody baby face who wouldn't you know say boo to a goose um, all of a sudden starts hitting low blows and take the turnbuckle pad off. That's fine, fair enough. But I don't think they need someone to get involved on their behalf every time. Like Roman Reigns has Jay Uso get involved, but like there's been times where he's went stay back here. I'm going to do this on my own, you know what I mean? I think, whereas I think they're that desperate to recreate, you know, Bullet Club 2016 sort of thing with you know, the Young Bucks and uh, Gallows and Anderson and, you know, they've got Kenny Omega at the forefront and it's just this forbidden door at times, it just it seems like that sort, those five guys sort of play thing, it just it gets, it really does get old quick, but you talked about Moose there, obviously, the sort of match he needed. Scott, what were your thoughts on Moose's performance in this match?
2: Oh, I loved it. Uh, like, as, as soon as Omega came in and started, like when we all knew he was probably going to win the Impact title, this was the match I wanted to see. But that Moose wasn't even meant to be in, uh, in the six-man tag. You know, like the main character in Clucks, he wasn't even supposed to be there today. He went in there and basically stole the show. And yeah, they foreshadowed in that six man tag the thing that says that him being basically too big to get in the one wind danger, which, if he did beat Omega, it would still protect him in that move because he can't kick out if Omega can't even hit him with the move. So it still keeps the integrity of that move. I think the involvement of the Bucks was really meant to, I think because they've you now they're really pushing forward with the thing with Sammy and Kenny for Slammiversary with Don Kellis trying to fire Sammy and you know, so the match can't happen. I think it's more about protecting Moose and the idea that Miss is probably going to win the title, but not not yet, but down the line, maybe he'll go into a with Sammy, if Sammy beats Kenny for it at Slammiversary. Because like, uh, they teased, they acknowledged that his contract was coming up this month. They you know, miss wants to win the title before his contract runs out. And he's, it's come out now, according to Fightful Select, that he's signed a new contract, which will take him through to the summer of 2023, with Impact, which, with uh, I think it said... Fastly improved like stipulations, or whatever, which basically translates to he's getting paid more money. That's basically how you can read through that. That's basically what everybody's looking for when they're a new contract. Just give me more money. Uh, I, I, yeah, does-
1: I think there was a. Sorry, I think there was a wee bit of a fear when AEW and Impact got together that they were going to use this open door thing as sort of a sort of a shopping channel. It's sort of like bring your best guys to us. And then, you know, we've seen it straight away when all-ego Ethan Page went to, you know, AEW and his Impact contract expires. But I think with due respect to Ethan Page, you know, he was part of a tag team that has since split up. Josh Alexander's doing fine on his own. Moose is someone who, you know, before Impact got that wave of wave of interest off of the whole WWE releases in 2020 Moose was still garnering interest from casual fans I think if they lost him that one would have severely hurt so although there is a good working relationship I think Don Callis and Scott DeMoe in the background would have been moving heaven and earth to make sure Moose stayed with the company
2: Yeah, considering obviously that the Rascals lose two thirds on now known as MSK and then they lost uh, Ethan Page and Ty of Valkyrie, now know, was Frankie Monet. Like those were, like these all those all happened like end of last year and then started this year. So those were three major losses for them uh, at the start of the year. So yeah, I don't. I think if Moose went, that'd be another major blow to them. Even though they are bringing in new people and like they're teasing for anniversary. Uh the former Steve Cutler's uh, to be making his debut next week. And um, so they are bringing new people in, but I think there are certain guys you can build the company around, and Moose is definitely one of them. So, if you've got another two years with them, now's the time to actually give him run or recognise run with the world title, and not have him declare himself the champion, even though that run with the DNA title was one of the most entertaining parts of Impact over the last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, obviously, you mentioned Sammy; he was involved uh, in the match as well. You know, Sarah Scott said about Moose possibly get. You know, getting an official run with the T uh, the Impact title, and not just pretending to be the TNA champion. At the same time, you've got someone as hot as Sammy Callahan who has consistently been not to use the pun, but a draw an Impact. Do you go with Moose or do you go with Sammy? This is a nice headache for Impact to have. Like who who do they have fight Kenny Omega at their biggest show of the year?
0: I mean. Now the, the Don Callas to like, just basically spit the dummy and just fired Sammy. Um, because he's like, I'm your boss, it's called the More's Like, so am I. <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I was saying to Daniel that it wouldn't have surprised me if Tony of just walked out with a checkbook and just signed Sammy Callahan on the spot. Um, and you know, but. Part of part of me still thinks that actually might happen that um, Tony Khan's going to sign Sammy Callahan and it's going to be them at like their next big pay per view um, and not necessarily anniversary I think Moose is probably going to get another go at him, Um which I think that be that would be a good one to see like an actual like stipulation where it's maybe in Moose's favor a wee bit and the the good brothers and like the rest of the elite are. I don't know, it's just, like, locked in the back with... I don't know, I'm just trying to think of, like, the most craziest stipulation because, let's just face it, Impact like to do the weird stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll, let's let us just, like, pretend for a second that Moose is, like, enlisted the help of DK and you just have Black Taurus and Steve, uh, Crazy Steve, like, surrounding the cage, trying to, like, keep the Good Brothers and the Elite away from the ring. That's what I would like to see. Um... But I don't know, part, part of me does think that is going to end up at AEW, like that's, especially if they're wanting to do more crazy deathmatch stuff, because they have John Moxley, they have Eddie Kingston. Why not just add to the trifecta and just make the craziest bastards in the world?
2: The the thing with the image of Tony Khan just immediately coming out after Cal has fired him and signing Cal- Alan, I just wanted is- that to be followed up with, Kellen, he's going to have his first match, nine nights from tonight. <laughs> no, no, it's Oh, tonight. Oh, God, <laughs> oh, I mean, Tony. Tony, Tony, son. Yeah, I've heard you're a nice lad, but you need your, your promo skills need work because his announcement on that episode of Impact that the match was going to happen at Daily's Place was just the most monotone. You know, I think they you know, Daily's Place, we've got some great matches there. It's a really great venue for us. So I think this match... take. Oh, shut up.
0: You sell a match. Sell it. Part of like the actual like he's never really grown up in the wrestling industry, that he is essentially just a fan that's been given a whole bunch of money to make his own promotion. Like, I don't know why, but I love Tony Khan's character of that. It's just like I'm cocky. I've got a lot of money. My daddy gave me money to build my own company, and I can do what I want. I love it.
1: Have you ever? I know a lot of people have seen dodgeball. Um I think, I think that it reminds me of him when he's telling, uh, when White Goodman's telling Peter how he built his company, I built this with hard work, determination, and a small $3 million loan from my father. <laughs> that is, I built this company from the ground up with hard work, dedication, and a small $100 million loan from my father, Sadiq. <laughs>
2: also with a uh, kenny I, I don't i do think that slam 3 is a perfect point to have him drop the belt of fans are going to be backing him back in impact for the first time in over a year but also like stories are coming like melt has talked a lot about it that kenny's been really re- evaluating how long he's going to be wrestling for like because he's been wrestling at such a high level for so long like he likes like wrestling long matches where he does the really to the outside and everything and, like the spots off the top so he's apparently limiting matches how I many matches he has going forward? Because you know he's got the big match with Jungle Boy. He's got a match in a couple of months with Andrade. He's got obviously yeah. the guy had the match at Slammiversary So I think he's just wait. He's he's only gonna be wrestling now from now on in big matches because apparently the injuries are starting to pile up on Kenny. Yeah. I, I, think
0: I it's taking his toll.
2: Um, so I wouldn't be surprised me if like we do see him like lose to Sammy at Slammiversary lose in like August to Andrade and whoever he's facing it all out probably Hangman. Uh, take the belt just so that Kenny can you know, actually have some time off and actually like rest his body. Because AW, even though they've got quite a roster, there are going to be a big section of their fan base who probably are going to not be able to watch it the same without Kenny Omega being a part of it. It's gonna be like when, like, like back in the day when Austin and Rock left. You know there are people who tuned out and was like uh, it's not the same anymore.
1: You're talking about it's perfect time for him to drop it. The only concern I would have, and it's what I've, I've said about this sort of, when one contracted performer to one company wins another company's title, what if, you know, the the deal's already in place that in August he loses to Andrade? Well, I don't think they would have a problem with that because Andrade's on AEW TV, whereas they might go, listen, we don't want him to lose two titles too quickly. You know what I mean? So there, there could be a bit of, Bit of debating to go on there but we'll Wait, move think, from
2: sorry, sorry i think i think it goes to like what i said before i think that actually having him lose that quickly because i think a, he does have to lose kind of cleanly to whoever he loses the impact title to so that impact can properly say that this relationship was worth it because look at this moment we got with somebody actually beating kenny and you don't even have to get get hit with the one wing angel and you can still protect that move i think if he does lose those two titles then it creates a story we're all out, like if he retains a belt, but going into it, you can talk about is the pressure on Kenny, because he went from being a belt collector to only having one belt left, and I think there's a really good story to be told there.
1: Yeah, no, it could work, but we'll we'll move from one pay-per-view this weekend to another, we'll move from Saturday to Sunday, and that's In Your House 2021, hosted by Todd Pettingale. all yeah. the retro feels <laughs> in the world. Um, I'll just run through the card quickly and then you guys can pick the matches you want to talk about and then we'll discuss the main event. So we had Bronson Reed and MSK putting their North American and tag titles up against all three members of Legado del Fantasma. They came out with a win. Uh, Ziya Lee defeats Mercedes Martinez. LA Knight wins a ladder match against Cameron Grimes to win the Million Dollar Championship. Yes, you heard that right in 2021. (laughs) Uh, Raquel Gonzalez defeats Ember Moon by pinfall. Uh, Karrion Cross defeats Kyle Riley, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, and Pete Dunne in a fatal five-way for the NXT title. So, Sarah went first for TNA. Scott, you can go first for NXT. What match do you want to talk about?
2: Well, it was. I really enjoyed the show overall. It started off hot, but when we got to the match, I want to talk about the show went from just being good, and it went to the moon. I want to talk Jesus. about the ladder match. <laughs> oh, I just had to get that in there. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, it was I was actually surprised that NXT went for two takeovers in a row with a ladder match because they did the Santos Escobar Jordan Devlin one at Stand and Deliver Night Two. Uh, they went oh, yeah, for this one, and I did love Bennett trying to claim that the gold ladder was made of solid gold and would be heavy to carry. And then they had to change it to almost be just gold paint because Cameron Grimes was lifting it with no problem whatsoever when he went to go get it. <laughs> so it's like, dude, probably just best you start talking, mate. Uh, but I really enjoyed this because like similar to the Escobar devil match, they, they didn't do what was become the norm and a uh, big multi-man ladder matches where it's all about setting up the next spot. Even though there were moments like when they obviously set up that ladder on the outside with the bridge for the closing spot when Cameron Grains took that bump to the outside across it. Uh, and it did look nasty. Uh, they just set up different ways for the ladder to hurt, hurt the other guy and using them as weapons, which I think I prefer that a uh, ladder match, especially if it's one-to-one, because if you do just a big spot off one ladder through another and then the other guy has to get fight to claim in, the other guy has to go quickly from selling to the to stop it because it's one-on-one. My big surprise was I was surprised in this match that they didn't have DBS getting involved because he seemed to have been aligned with LA Knight, but I think they sh- then showed what happened on NXT with LA Knight just to the title and just smacking Teddy Biazi, shows that those two actually weren't aren't going to be in an alliance going forward. And I think even though some people might have been sad about it, I think it really helps both guys. It gets people further behind Karen Grimes as a babyface, and now after what LA Knight did to D Biasi on NXT, you get further like heat on him as a heel.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think as well. um Sarah, we've discussed this when it comes to like part-timers, that they're never going to get booed because the nostalgia factor's too great. So as much as Ted DiBiase was a sensational heel in the 80s, and 2021, everybody loves him, everybody loves to see him, the million-dollar man uh, character on the million-dollar title bring back good memories. I was surprised they went with LA Knight to win it, but when you see what happened on NXT this past week with Cameron Grimes, who has overlooked nobody's business, and, you know, the the over babyface teamed with the nostalgic old-timer, it's, it just gives Cameron Grimes that extra level of fan support, especially after Ellie Knight clocking the, like, 60-year-old Dibiase.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, see... See when he first popped up, obviously, because like, we all know like the journey that I've had. Um, when I've um, hated Cameron Grimes for absolutely no reason, <laughs> I think it was just tiny tot- it was his tiny hat, uh, and then obviously becoming like a really big fan of him. And then when he started like this whole new um, like rich man gimmick, I'm assuming that he just got lucky on the on the um what was it the the wall street market or something and um, like the stock markets so that's i think he must have got lucky on that to you know somehow get all this money Um, they
1: said that a couple of times but then they mentioned the other day about lottery money so i don't know if they're changing the story and he's a, a my name is errol style lottery <laughs> <laughs> i
0: was gonna say aye because like on his entrance titan tron you can see like stock market things um so unless that does change and he just sort of suddenly came into some money, um, you you do love the nostalgia factor, like every now and again when you bring back just someone that you don't expect that person to come back, I mean, like bringing back Rick Flair five times a week is just gonna get old. but you haven't seen the million Dollar man in so long, and like despite like maybe just like I know stuff on the network with them, but bringing them back, like especially because we see now that. Triple H wants to sort of relive some nostalgia errors and um, some of like his favourite errors with NXT. Like you've seen that In Your House and then Great American Bash and like Halloween Havoc, etc. Um that this is what's gonna probably be happening like every now and again, just to sort of help elevate that character and bring back the million dollar title. It was it's it's something that was like does it actually need to? to get done, whereas like have the endorsement of the Million Dollar Man and you know keep making your millions from the Million Dollar Man but having LA Knight win it I was really surprised when they had him win it um, but I think like throughout the entire match I just kept making jokes that Eli Drake got told he had to have a three syllable name so he could still do like the LA Knight um, so Having him win it, I would I, now obviously seeing what's happened on NXT, um, it makes sense because obviously they're going to try and push Cameron Grimes over as the ultimate babyface and make obviously if you if you're going to clonk someone in the face, especially a legend, you're going to get some mad heat for it no matter what. Like all you have to do is just like it's how Randy Orton got his gimmick over with the legend color. All you have to do is flick an old man on a nose and you're instantly booed. It's like the equivalent of stepping on a puppy or something. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's almost as if Cameron Grimes is about to be pushed to the moon. Um, yeah. I think as well, you you mentioned like the Eli Drake winning it. I think, obviously, now that we've seen NXT, we know why, because it will mean so much more. When he's paired with the Million Dollar Man, he wins it back so that someone who what respects the legacy has the title. But at the time, all I was thinking about was, are they maybe just... like? I know they're doing Great American Bash in a couple of weeks, are they maybe just doing this So Cameron Grimes wins the title and it means more than being awarded it? I, I don't know where it's gone, but it's, it'll be interesting to see because we've seen things like the 24-7 title... That was the nostalgia of the hardcore title that got old quickly. It's just sort of Artrus play thing every three or four pay-per-views. Um the cruiseweight title, although Kushida's doing great with it, it's not what we all hoped for. So it'll be interesting to see how this million dollar title thing goes, especially considering it's it's not so much Vince, it's more NXT and Triple H's control. So it'll be interesting to see how they You know, they talk about carrying the legacy on. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. But um, from that match to Sarah's match, what match are you going to pick for us to pick apart and review?
0: Um, Well, I'm going to pick what was the opening match, uh, the winner-take-all six-man tag team match um, for the North American Championship and the Tag Team Championships. So, Bronson Reed with MSK taking on um, Legado Del Fantasma. I... Absolutely loved this match. It was uh, probably one of the best ways to actually start off the show because this is what I find: if you start off with something really, really big to get the audience's attention, you're going to be in for a great show. Um, so the storyline as well, like having like a proper trio of legado Del Fantasma, trying to basically have all the titles, um, I thought worked really, really well. And there was some fantastic spots as. You always know you're going to get, even like Big Bronson getting a couple a couple of good spots in as well. That you're just like, it was more shocking to see, Um, and there was some parts of the match that maybe went a tiny wee bit wrong, um, but it 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 still was okay. Um, But that that's probably what was like my favourite. Match just because like I I love Bronson Reed like I've pr- I've been proper behind them since they came to NXT and we know that I love MSK formerly known as the Rascals and um, so of course I'm just going to love them and it was more also nostalgia because whenever have I not seen Wacky Wild in an opening match on a pay per view I think as well
1: yeah I think your nostalgia aside, you know, we'll, we've got enough nostalgia going about with a million dollar title.
2: Darrow Breen once said, nostalgia is heroin for old people.
0: <laughs> <That's> not- <laughs> <laughs> <I'll be> old.
2: <laughs> no. I mean, Darryl the oldest here, just saying.
1: I mean, I'm the oldest of us, <laughs> but that's
0: not the
1: point. Um, yeah, I thought it was a great match. This sort of swayed me a you know, Scott. I know you didn't watch it live, but I was—I was still up at this time. And I thought, I'll see what the opening match is. And when they went, you know, oh, by the way, we're going to go win or take all to start the match. They start the show. I thought, yeah, this—this this is a ploy to get people in the UK to stay up. You know, we didn't start at twelve; we started at one. But here's your reward for those that made it.
0: <laughs> well done.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's a. It was a well done for those that made it. Uh, Scott, what were your thoughts on the match and thoughts on the squishing uh, <laughs> the poor, <laughs> poor Santos Escobar? It wasn't a squish; it was a squelch this
2: time. I, I did think at the time, like are they just giving uh, Bronson a uh, bronze uh, old train gimmick just running around the ring and slamming into people because he just came out of nowhere, just like choo choo, motherfucker. <laughs> 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 and, like, I, I was kind of disappointed with Bronson Reed's gear because, you know, in the past, like, at Take Worth I think it was he came out with the Bam Bam Bigelow-inspired gear. And I kind of, I think it was Sam Roberts who said, like, well, I wonder if he'll do that again, something like that again tonight. And then he didn't. He just came out in black and green attire. Like, you know, of all the shows, Bronson Reed doing nostalgia-themed, you know... Like entrance attire, this was the one, this was the one to do it. Uh, other than that, I really thought, see, in fairness, adaptive.
1: though, mm-hmm. see, in fairness, he was matching with MSK, yeah. and I think that was important. Yeah. I, I like matching team gears.
2: Uh, but the match just felt like I really enjoyed it. Uh, poor Mendoza he seems to be the guy that always takes the fall the for this team. Uh, and if it really did again, he got fucking squished. Like, I do love the uh. Uh, Stu Bennett's basically shouting tsunami as uh, Bronson dies on top. It's the new Kinshasa when Corey Graves used to shout it every time since used to do And I uh, enjoyed the match. I thought it could have maybe done with a bit more time I, I for an opener. it still felt a bit short. And with the promo that uh, Santos got on this week's NXT, I think it goes to, say what I, goes to show what I said last week, Ross. I think he will probably beat Bronson for a bit more likely in a a tag match, so one of these kind of underlings took the fall here, so keeps him strong, and maybe he versus Bronson at the Great American Bash, and I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, they already took the belt off of Bronson and put it on Escobar because uh, I think I think I think Escobar's doing really good work because given given how quickly they've taken him out of the cruiser division and then straight into like a t- another title picture as a main part of the roster, and given the fact that wild cruiser champion, they put him in a match with. Carrying Cross, right before Cross won the title. It's clear that XD has big plans for Santos Escobar.
1: Yeah, he was hoping and obviously Great American Bash in three weeks. Uh so you know it used to be the thing that the US title changed hands there. So why not the North American title? You know, Triple H likes his own WCW, continue that legacy on. Um two matches we're not really going to get into because there's obviously major choices. Uh Raquel Gonzalez defeating Ember Moon. I felt this was a very... The best way to describe this was this felt like a backlash match. You know how when WrestleMania happens and at the next pay-per-view, you know, like, someone's beaten the part-timer who was champion and now they need a new challenger, but it's obvious as anything that the challenger's not going to win. This is what this felt like. It just felt... For for a, a division that was so... So stacked when Rhea Ripley, well, Shana, Rhea, Charlotte, and Io Shirai held the title. Raquel Gonzalez, for me, doesn't doesn't feel exciting. Like I, I I just like people are saying, give it a chance. I've gave it a chance since War Games. I just I I can't get behind Raquel Gonzalez.
2: I think. It definitely was a placeholder for you, then. it was kind of sad that Ember had to be in that position. But you can see why they chose her. I do love how she does but, oh, I I might follow like a follow Charlotte as, in terms of greatest NXT women champs of all time, and said oh, she'll be only the third eh, third woman to win it twice. Yeah, but you mentioned Charlotte. You didn't mention Shayna Baszler, the other woman to uh, the other woman to hold it twice. Has Shayna fallen that far already since this whole doll thing? that even NXT won't acknowledge her where she was good. <laughs> and,
1: sorry. Yeah, it's, so it's like seeing an old friend who's fallen fallen so far on your expectations, you don't admit that you used to have a good laugh with him. You're just like, I, I, I don't know that, I don't know him. Um,
2: Every time I see David Campbell.
1: <laughs> yeah, it it is disappointing, but one thing I wanted to bring up, and especially with you guys, because you're fans of the sort of Arrowverse and the superhero TV shows. Uh, Zia Lee defeating Mercedes Martinez. Not a great match, just sort of shenanigans ahoy, but Mercedes Martinez trying to take on Mei Ying and Mei Ying just overpowering her. All I got from that was, and you'll know if you've ever watched any of the CW um, sort of superhero shows, it felt like an episode five or six where the big bad is finally revealed and Oliver Queen or Barry Allen tries to take them on and is just so overpowered by them. They're just like we need to spend another 18 episodes building up to when they can finally be beaten. That is what May Ying was giving me, Mercedes Martinez playing the role of Barry Allen or Oliver Queen there because it just felt like the, Xia Lee is the first couple of episodes bad guy and we get her out of the way and now May Ying is the big bad. She's She's the Zoom. She's the Deathstroke of NXT.
2: <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say yeah, Zaya, like the, like season two Arrow, like Zaya Lee's brother Blood, and yeah, uh, and then she and she's Deathstroke. Yeah, it did seem weird. Like she just grabbed her by the throat, like Vulcan nerve and then Mercedes gets out of it, and then she just locks it in again and just yeets her off the stage. Hey, yeet. <laughs> and, <laughs> whole thing, like I know there were some people joking about comparing it to the hand from Daredevil, uh, when this first like they first started debuting this new character. And I do believe I heard a rumour, I don't think it's confirmed, so you am know, gonna take it by pinch that someone in WWE tried to file the trademark for the hand, not realising that Marvel already owned that. And also, like, Xyle's all display at the start of our entrance and now she has a sword. It just made me think Ross, you'll get this the, the that film, The Benchformers. Someone get her sword. <laughs> someone get the sword
1: <laughs> yeah Boa is there as the handler like get the sword off him um, but before we go into far, we've, we've already had Oliver Queen Barry Allen Dodgeball and Benchwarmers before we go into more nostalgia than a million dollar title ladder match
2: looking at that heroin for yeah. all people in our beans. <laughs>
1: yeah exactly Karrion Kross uh, defending his title against four of NXT's best um, a line they delivered on NXT this week I punched a hole through the Mount Rushmore of NXT, which I thought was a great line. Um, I didn't ever think it was going to happen, but it was a perfect way to take the title off Karrion Cross and not make him look weak at all. But I think I think we are in for a reign of terror from Karrion Cross, Sarah, after winning the title uh, SummerSlam weekend last year and then getting injured. I think this is his redemption tour sort of thing. This is... He he's not going anywhere soon, and he's keeping that title the entire time he's there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think like the whole him getting injured was such a shame because we never got to see what the original potential was. But hopefully, we now do get to see. Um, and putting him up against like what he did, did, called like the like the Mount Rushmore. Like you've got some of the best guys. Like you've got Mr. Takeover, heart and soul of, of NXT, Johnny Gargano, and then you've got like one of the most dominant dom- dominant dominant champions in Adam Cole, and and Kyle O'Reilly. Like he's been a big part, especially in, like in the tag team division, and not just even that. It's like obviously being part of the Undisputed Era, and then Pete Dunne being one of the most dominant champions that NXT UK had before Walter came along. Um, it, it's you just put the top five guys in the, without bringing in Tommaso Champa and Timothy Thatcher because they're in a nice little knitty tag team now and it's cute. Um, but you, you expect you expect a big spectacle in this match um, and it 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 more than delivered in my opinion. It was it was utter mental. Like you you, you didn't know what was happening sometimes, but. The one thing I wanted to keep, like, to point out, was the fact that it made Karen Cross look extremely dominant. Because every single time he started bringing his dominance out, it had to take about two or three of them to be able to take him out. Because they were that scared, and they knew that he was obviously going to just go mental, and to the point where he, you know, pretty much nearly kills Kyle O'Reilly, which is a bit of a bit of a shame but it, it had to happen like somebody has to take the submission or somebody has to take the pin Um, but the, the madness the madness of this match is
2: mad. <laughs> i i kind of wish it was pete done that took the fall now because uh, i was like i like everybody in this match and then pete dunne comes out with his white gear with a bit of blue and he said oh they say it's a tribute to the, the england football team at the euros and to be done said the NXT title is coming home. I'm like, I hope you can, I hope you take the fucking pen, you wee bastards.
0: It's gonna wear at least wear red, then you prick.
2: <laughs> casual,
1: casual xenophobic comments towards our English listeners being quite frankly the <laughs> opinion of Sarah and Scott alone <laughs> uh, as we move on. Um I think as well, um you mentioned obviously carrying crosses dominant Scott when I was watching this, I get major Brock Lesnar vibes whenever Brock Lesnar is in a multi man match or even further back than that, whenever like a big show or a Cali was in an elimination chamber match, and they always used to do the spots where they would get eliminated first, but everyone else in the match had to hit their finisher to get them out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, it made me like when Brock fought Cena and Rollins at the Royal Rumble one year, you had. Rollins had seen a beat and then, bro- and then Brock after been put to a table like five minutes later. just popped back up and like, right, hey, come here. Suplexes for everyone. And at the, I had a feeling that's how the match was going to go. Like with everybody like when it's not kind Cross and it has to feel about what you'd expect from a takeover like main event. you know, so many spots, kickouts, all that type of thing. And then Cross comes back and, and it's this feeling of dread, like, oh god, he's back up and well, what's going to take to keep him down? And I do like that they kind of they used the finish also to continue the Kyle O'Reilly-Adam Cole feud because Kyle O'Reilly still was trying to get Adam Cole to tap it while he was starting to pass out from the hold and then they're going to have that rematch at Great American Bass. So it keeps that going. I'm I'm just curious who Cross faces next because he's beaten Balor. He's beaten four guys, four of the top guys at once. You know, Champa and Thatcher are in the tag scene, so I'm wondering who else is left for him because I don't think uh, Joe should be rushed back into... If he's going to come back to the ring, he, he shouldn't be rushed into the title scene. I think he should have a few somebody else, like Adam Cole first, before he where he does something like that. Uh, but I don't know. I want to get your opinion. I heard some people actually say they felt like Cross was actually exposed in this match. Saying that, like... Cause I think some people... Have, uh, like fans of NXT, you've got, got used to a certain style of wrestling, which is the kind of style you got when Cross wasn't involved and also Cross doesn't fit that, so I think that's hard to, like, you know, it's hard to watch that kind of difference for some people. But I I, I enjoyed the match anyway, because I think with Cross and, like, with Loomis, when he probably started getting pushy, I think what NXT needs, uh, as well as it's having, the, like, the best pure re- work rate wrestlers in the world, it needs a few more character-based wrestlers sprinkled in there to change up a little bit, because I think LA Knight is a perfect example of a character-story-driven wrestler rather than somebody who's going to give you
1: five star spot fests yeah I, I totally agree with that I think the um, the C post draft NXT uh, when Smackdown went live in 2016 and they did bring a lot of new talent in but a lot of it was that's Austin Aries. okay look, why should I like Austin Aries? he's a former champion but why should I like him that's Samoa Joe. He's a former champion. That's, you know, James Storm, Roderick Strong, Shinsuke Nakamura. You know, they. it took a while for a lot of those people to get over an NXT because it wasn't a case of, like, unknowns coming through the performance center and then building this brand on their back. It was a case of we're now signing established stars, but they had no characters. And I think, as you said, Scott, people like a Cameron Grimes, an LA Knight, a carrying cross, you know, people, you know, even, even to an extent, Xia Lee Mei, Yang and Boa, they've got their character, they're sort of that cult-like thing, you know, that's sprinkled around, it doesn't overpower, so it doesn't feel like a Lucha Underground, but it doesn't bore you with just like, why should I like this guy? Because he won a world title somewhere else. Like, that 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 doesn't convince me, you know what I mean?
2: And, uh, I mean, to the, the Austin Harris thing, no one likes Austin like, yeah. the Austin Aries, like his thing now is he eats bananas <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was funny fair. <laughs> fair. <laughs> anyway I, I, I liked it as well, I, I don't think Karrion Cross got shown up, I think he is a character he is a great wrestler, we've seen it in Impact you know, I think it was just a case of he was wrestling in the character style you got the best of both worlds, you get a bit of you know, character-based work and you get the fast-paced spot fest that the likes of Kyle O'Reilly, Johnny Gargano, Cole and Dunn have delivered multiple times. You're talking about obviously Samoa Joe not getting rushed back in. I think that's a WrestleMania feud. I think Karrion Cross holds this title. I think I don't think he wrestles at Great American Bash. I think the winner of the Bash main event, which has just been announced, is Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole, will face him at the SummerSlam takeover. I think there might be a placeholder feud, maybe with like the likes of Dunn and Gargano one on one for the sort of Survivor Series and um,
0: War Games.
1: War, war Games, yeah. Well, there you go. You might he might just be in War Games, and then you just need one placeholder feud for the Royal Rumble one, and then WrestleMania. That's Joe's big. Might not be his comeback match, but it's his comeback to the title scene, and I think. I think that, that gives Cross enough time to build up momentum because I don't see him being an NXT star for long, especially if the main roster keeps releasing people at the rate they're releasing them.
2: Yeah, I think he does need a big opponent for SummerSlam because I think they announced that they're still going to do a, a takeover SummerSlam week, but it's looking like they're going to weirdly do it SummerSlam the Saturday, takeover the Sunday, uh, which I was going to mention how they pull it off because they probably are going to just keep doing uh, the takeovers at the Capitol Wrestling Centre, which even though they're hyping up both three hundred people, the most people we've had so far in the Capitol Wrestling Center, it's still gonna you still need something to make it feel big after watching SummerSlam a uh, big venue in Las Vegas for the first time in months.
1: Yeah. Um, well we'll move on from this to the last pay-per-view of the lockdown era, the last pay-per-view of the Thunderdome era. Um Hell in a was this Sunday. Scott, we've talked before about how Hell in a Cell always seems to come at the wrong time. You know, always seems to come, you know, pre pre and post shakeup, so you don't know who's on what brand, or it gives away the results of the show. It happens after you know SmackDown moves to Fox, and the WWE title matches on SmackDown that week, or it's happening now where it's a case of, good God, we're, we're nearly there, guys. Let's just get to Money in the Bank and let's move on. And this this card. It's only five matches long at the moment. We've got Hell in a Cell matches. We've got Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley uh, for the WWE title. We have Rey Mysterio and Roman Reigns for the Universal title. Bianca Belair and Bailey have a rematch for the SmackDown Women's title. We are Ripley and Charlotte are having a rematch for the Raw Women's title. And Alexa Bliss is taking on Shayna Baszler. Sort of rematch central here. Yeah. But it does feel, and you obviously, well, we'll talk about this then now, you you sent me a report that Vince McMahon knows that the main product, specifically Raw, isn't great at the moment, but it's a case of let's just wait till we get the fans back in. It's as if he doesn't want to waste his big storylines when there's no one there. It's sort of a, look, let's get through this for the kids and when they go to college, we can leave. like that. <laughs> it's It sort of feels like that at the minute.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's just like somebody at work, like on a Tuesday, always, like just gets to the week, get to the weekend, gets to the weekend, like kind of thing, and yeah, it was like I seen the report. Everything was from Wrestling News. Co. Who'd responded to our previous report by Andrew Zayn from the Mac Men Podcast, who'd said who's kind of been quite vague about some plans uh, that WWE had that would help improve the show quality-wise. But the common thread between that report and the Wrestling News. One was was that it all centers around the fans. Like, I think even at the start of lockdown, in the first few months, they said there were some plans for Storylines that got delayed or scrapped altogether because there were no fans. And so, obviously, Vince has, obviously, I think it annoys Vince that they've had to wait so long to probably get fans. And even after getting them at WrestleMania, he's then had to wait a further few months to get them probably back on a more regular basis again. So it, it does seem weird that you would knowingly just, you know, Not even just try something to just improve Raw just a little bit. You know, maybe not have an angle involving a creepy doll. You know, because if I was in America and I heard SmackDown or when NXT goes back and wrote that that was coming to where I live, I'd be like, I'm going there. Because, like, SmackDown's great at the and NXT's really good at the moment. But even though, like, these people will be desperate for live wrestling, I wouldn't be that desperate to go see Raw right now. And uh, I, I didn't even stay up to watch NXT. I watched it the next day, even though I was looking forward to that. There's As much as I, I'm looking forward to like Roman v. Ray, for instance, nothing else about this show makes me want to watch it live, let alone fucking Alexa Bliss v. Shayna Baszler, or Lily on a pole match, or whatever it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Sarah, Scott mentioned Roman Reigns, there and he's someone throughout, you know, he wasn't there for the first part of lockdown. He's been there for the second. Um, he has been a consistent highlight. His character work, his work with Paul Heyman, the sort of family drama and a Hell in a Cell match with someone like Rey Mysterio where he can just throw him around and Rey Mysterio can do all the flippy shit we've seen him do over the past 30 years is something that actually excites me. It's the only reason I think I'm going to watch this show.
0: Uh, yeah, well, Roman Reigns is probably the best character work I've ever seen him do um, Like, because he's gotten himself over without even trying because we were all excited to see him back obviously um after taking some time off at this very start of covid because he was a very very high risk person and obviously still in remission from having cancer again so seeing him come in and just sort of have his like his t-shirt as well as like wreck everyone and leave and you're like i mean he's capable of it and then the the most unexpected thing of him teaming up with Paul Heyman is something that if anyone said that they saw that coming, they're absolute fucking liars because we all saw what was going on between Roman and Brock Lesnar. Um, and Haynes was like or Heyman was still like the last person that you'd ever expect to team up with Roman Reigns. Um, and they managed to like do the whole family drama for new, like, from one hell in a cell to another. I mean, it would have been you know a little bit more poetic if it had been like October to October hell in a cell, and um, because it it unless they get rid of the red cell because let's just face it, a red cell in the summer is not going to work. It only works for Halloween. So, yeah. It's It's been really good, but I, I'm quite concerned that maybe Raymond Stewart isn't maybe able to do the flippy shit that we all know and love him to do. Because um, this is where part of me thinks that Dominic's going to come in and do a bloody swanton or a 450 splash off the top of the cell, and I'm scared. Because he's just a child. Um, so,
1: Wouldn't hate it. You, know, uh, you, know, you come with your and bring, uh, bring your child to work day you know you you get what you deserve
0: Man, your dad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um yeah i think you're right it's uh ray might not be able to do the stuff so maybe that's why they'll have dominic come in but at the same time it'd be it'd be great to see ray break out some like you know if you can't break out these special moves for hell a seven what can you break them out for you know what i mean
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been thrown off It last like this time last year he was getting thrown off a rooftop so
2: onto a smaller
1: rooftop well, exactly, see, below, so right? a cell is significantly smaller than a roof <laughs> um, so <laughs> so, I mean I, I don't see what his problem is maybe toughen up your wee prick you know what I mean I think he maybe needs to <laughs> I um, I somehow
0: grew it back
1: <laughs> well, there you go he grew his eye back he can do anything you see, you said he couldn't do the amazing stuff that he used to do. He never able he used to grow an eye back. He can do that now. <laughs>
0: he <never> um,
1: <laughs> but um, from one Hell in a Cell match to another, um, Drew v. Bobby Lashley. Drew has been the undeniable like star of the lockdown period. Uh, I think we we all know. Obviously his journey back to the WWE. Unfortunately never get a lot of his, you know, stuff in front of fans. And it, it seems and as cruel as fate is that as the fans are coming back due to, you know, the maybe the nostalgia of Kofi Mania, the poorness of Raw, Bobby Lashley's great heel run and MVP's promo work. That it seems the fans are starting to get sick of Drew just as they're coming back, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, like I think that's probably what the case is because it feels like like this is a last chance. Like this is when you put like end of like title versus career. Like I'm surprised he didn't bloody do that stipulation. Um, so it's it's a big shame as well because you you want to support. him. Mean, he was like the lockdown champion, and he he carried that company on his shoulders, and obviously now it's we're just like. It's uh, true, just, just, you're worth more, just stop it. Stop it, you're embarrassing yourself. Like, that's the way I feel about it. Um, and that's why we're all, like, we're all just sitting there going, he's probably, he's more than likely gonna lose. I'll be very surprised if he wins this last chance match. Um, but that's usually when, like, I obviously, maybe about six times out of ten. A last chance usually ends with the last chance actually, you know, getting grabbed by both hands. So it's a it's a bit of a I feel meh, but I I, I want a nice outcome at the same time. Mm.
1: I, I definitely, yeah, I think. So
2: on you go, Scott? I definitely think this should open the show and Ray versus Roman should main event because I think they made a big mistake having I mean, uh, Drew Randy main event last year when they could have easily had it be Sasha versus Bailey or Owen versus Jay because that Hell honestly sale with Randy I, I think across both of Drew's WWE tories is probably his weakest pay per view match that he's had since becoming WWE champion and you know like they try to do that spot off the side of the cell but as a spot we've actually seen done quite a few times at this point because we know people can't go off the top of the cell anymore unless you're unless you're Shane McMahon so. Stop, stop doing a spot that's half as good as Mankind uh, in ninety eight, but try and sell it if it's on the same level. So like you may as well not just go outside like, may as well not go outside to sell at all, to be honest. So yeah like I said, like usually the last chance I means that they they get the title back, but that means that Bobby's entitled in a way to get a title shot, which means if he'd continue or you know, Keith Lee's MIA he got Braun Strowman getting released Kofi looked like he was going to get a shot but that's not a thing new. Like, who on Raw are they going to actually put in the men's money in the bank now I'm thinking about it because if Drew loses he can be in it but like there's Jeff Hardy who didn't give a shit Gender, maybe AJ unfortunately has been uh, devoted to the tag team scene Seamus if his face isn't fully broken You know, you got Ricochet, Cedric Alexander could be good in it, but there's no way you'd believe them. So, he's just like, when you actually think about the singles, the men's singles division, especially in the main event outside of Drew and Bobby, you realise just how shallow it is. And the other addition you had, the only addition you had was Braun, and you fucking let him go. So, (laughs) no wonder they've been doing that same match for the last couple of months.
1: You, uh, we touched on um, obviously Dominic getting involved in the Rey Mysterio Hell in a Cell match. I was actually talking before about how I wouldn't mind Dominic versus Roman in a title match for the simple fact that pay-per-views like Money in the Bank are not about the title matches; they're about money in the bank. You know, so you want your big styles in that match. So having a slightly weaker you know, match for the for the WWE title or a rematch for the universe. sorry, weaker universal title, rematch Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre in front of fans for the last time. Wouldn't hate it because as you said, at the minute the the men's singles division, you know, Miz is injured as well, former champion. Like there's not a lot there, so we're oh, I gonna forgot. need
2: I, I even forgot Damon Peace was a thing. I forgot Randy and, and the Riddle are a tag team. That's oh. how forgettable most of Raw is. I don't think I watched a full episode of Raw in a good couple of months. That's Pre-Mania, I, think, I
1: don't think you're alone though. But um, obviously, we were reviewing Hell in a Cell. There, we're, we're starting fantasy booking money in the bank, so we'll yeah. we'll leave it there and we'll go to the news for this week because I wanted to mention this at the end of uh, Takeover, but we kind of get swamped down on that. Um, obviously Great American Bash returns July 6th, we mentioned Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly is going to be the main event, but on the opening promo of NXT this week, we saw a continuation of the last shot of the pay-per-view where Regal said, it's chaotic here, I don't know if I can do this anymore. It looked to be that Regal was leaving, Karrion Cross comes out to gloat, and as he's gloating, the sound of the recently released Samoa Joe's music comes over the titantron. The 300 people in the Capital Wrestling Centre pop and Samoa Joe, looking sharp, looking fine, comes to the ring and says, Mr. Regal, I believe you want to speak to me. So, so well delivered, doesn't take his gaze off a carrying cross. We hear Regal offer Joe the position as... The NXT general manager Joe says no, but I'll help you keep order. And we heard the, the stipulation, which will be broken later on, no doubt. He's not allowed to wrestle, foreshadowing. And he can't hit anyone, foreshadowing, unless provoked, which we saw later in the night with Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. Um Sarah great to see Samojo back. He is one of the ones that when really yeah, it's sad when anyone loses their job, but Let's be real here. Samojo is someone who we thought would be a multiple time WWE champion by now.
0: Definitely. I mean, when he first appeared in NXT, you were just like, Oh damn, it's it's Samojo. Like we all we all know his like his past in TNA, etc. Um and when it when it was announced that he was one of the ones that had got released, it was an extreme shock. Um, like he'd been doing quite well on the commentary table, um, but it was obviously sad not to see him wrestle. So when when like um, the the speculation started coming out that NXT were going to sign him, it was like, yeah, that's fine. He's one of Triple H's guys. Like he brought like Triple H brought him in from uh, Impact and TNA and knew what to do with him. Um, so him coming in as sort of William Regal's enforcer. In a way it it I don't want him to basically turn into like and it, like obviously he's not allowed to like hit anyone unless provoked, but it's like um it it kind of feels like a pit bull in some form of way that if you do get out of control it will be leashed upon you. Um I kinda of hope that that no wrestling rule gets bro broken for war games and have it like Team Regal versus Team Cross or something. Um, but obviously, William Regal not wrestle and have Samoa Joe in his place. That's what I would kind of like to see. But seeing, seeing Samoa Joe back in NXT, it, it makes me happy. It really, really warms my heart. Um, it, it, it feels better than the whole thing that they did with um, Drake Maverick, like the year before. Yeah. Um, where obviously that that got in the way of um, Kushida's push, which happened a year later. So it, it, it's good to see that you know someone who definitely did not um, deserve to lose their job, because um, nobody deserves to lose their job. Um, get brought back in a different in a different light, and even if he doesn't wrestle for a wee while, it's still going to be good to see him because he's he's a big guy. He's a great talker as well which is it, it does help that he's a really good talker so I'm happy for it
1: Yeah Scott and as well um, obviously even if he's not wrestling we've saw the the impact that people like a, a Big Show or a Mark Henry can have when going to Ew in non-wrestling roles, they still provide name value, they still provoke interest and there is that you know, oh, when is he going to wrestle? And you're hoping, there was rumours that he was re-signed, but he has not yet been cleared to wrestle. You're hoping that, you know, as long as it's safe for Samoa Joe to wrestle, hopefully soon, as Sarah says, that gets lifted, possibly maybe for War Games.
2: I think War Games is a hell of a shout for him to come back. You know, I like, kind of like how Kevin Owens made return to NXT for one night a couple of years ago to team against Undisputed Era. Uh, I like the, the the you know the stipulation you no know, he can't unless physically provoked and everything and you know, almost dead and like carrying cross did get okay, he little cross and basically like, Joe's you know, like daring him to try and try something and otherwise he would deck him I kind of reminded like they did it for Stone Cold when he and Eric Bischoff were co-GMs in 2003 on Raw because Austin, despite being GM would just go around stunning everybody on everybody whenever he felt like it uh, I do think it's good to have that stipulation where he can get physical but not have a match because we don't know what extent is well, in terms of the injuries he's been suffering the last couple of years, and also are better they are going to bring Joe back. They want that he's healthiest, and you got to think once they do have him like cleared, Triple H and Joe are going to get together and think of all sorts of storylines and matchups for him to have, and uh, maybe against Adam Cole. Given that segment that we saw, that'd be quite interesting. Just the way they just choked out Cole and just looked at him and, went, and just looked the one security guys when he wakes up. Tell Mr. Rigo wants to talk to him. I just wondered well, just the way he just thrown out the fact that he basically was a guy who caused a lot of havoc for Rigo back in the day, like beating people up in and, and he's viewing Nakamura, like, bring me Nakamura or bring me my title. And <laughs> now he's basically caught like helping like keep order for William Regal. And I think it's a role that Joe is probably gonna excel in.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and obviously we mentioned great, he's feud with, uh, sorry his interaction with Adam Cole he he helps break up our Rami. <clears throat> we get the main event of Great American Bash announced, a straight up wrestling match, no one sanctioned this time, Cole O'Reilly big time rematch for NXT and a, certainly a pay-per-view worldly main event um, next week they get to choose their own opponents, Um Adam Cole's decision. We're still waiting for him to wake up and make his. But Scott, you wanted to talk about how you're a wee bit annoyed at Kyle O'Reilly.
2: Mm. I should say I forgot I made this joke that before, but I'm just waiting for the thing where Joe sets up a meeting and we goes off like, "Excuse me, as assistant NXT general manager, assistant to the NXT general manager." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like because I, I forgot, almost forgot about the whole thing. That they were choosing each other's opponents because. Uh, also, NXT had Kyle Riley confronting Kishida, which was kind of intriguing for me because we and uh, tra- uh, along with Steven talked about Kalowelly versus Kishida back in New Japan and the versus Super Junior's feature show. You can check out our back catalog, but you know, like I thought, the idea of him going in seemingly teasing and going after the cruiserweight title was a bit weird when he's when he's in the down the street with uh, Adam Cole, but. It also annoyed me because I thought is he going to be in a match for the title against Kishida because as a draft performer for me he's been kind of middling and next week when he potentially faces Kishida or somebody else if uh, Adam Cole decides like, because Adam Cole has got to choose his opponent if he wins I get bugger all next week because it's a fucking transfer window and nobody gets anything and now Keil Riley's is getting a featured match where he actually will win it, as opposed to when he got put in that number one contender thing where there was no winner and then I knew he was gonna lose that five way. So you know, I really feel like real selfishness on NXT's part as regards to my draft here and Kyle O'Reilly as well. I always preferred Bobby Fish.
1: Speaking um. of anything else, um <laughs> Scott's pitiful first world problems aside, um, we will see Kyle O'Reilly versus um <clears throat> excuse me, we will see Kylo Riley versus Kushida next week. Um the stare down happened after the debut of Trey Baxter. Trey Baxter opened uh, answered Kushida's open challenge. Um we Sorry, Paul. sorry, my dog just nearly sat on me. Um we we saw uh, Trey Baxter get quite a quite a spot like get the you know, the promo packages and a got, you know references you know, to all the coaches at the performance centre who apparently think he's amazing. So there's there seems to be sort of like when Zoe Starks debuted as part of, you know, she went up against uh, Io Shirai. It seems to be he's losing to a champion but it's to give him a spotlight. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, it was a really good match. It was one of the few things other than the Joe thing that I have to check out from this week's Uh, NXT, uh, Trey Baxter, formerly known as Blake Christian on the indies, who I've seen pop up on Impact once or twice, and being Grant talked about his performance in the New Japan Super J Cup, so Mm. he's he's still fairly young, uh, but he, he has made some headlines in the indie scene, so, you know, it was smart for WWE to get in there, you know, and do what New Japan and Impact were a bit too slow to do, snap him up to a contract, because... You know, if they are gonna hopefully take the, the cruiser division a bit seriously more they're going to take the cruise division a bit more seriously on NXT, then I think he's a key, he can be a key player in that division.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um obviously before we move on to other news of the week, noteworthy things from NXT, the Diamond Mine debuts next week. We've seen promos for that for the past few weeks. Rumors it's a uh, is it Parker Bordeaux and someone else?
2: I think Rick Steiner's son, whose
0: surname
1: That's I can't saying. access it. Yeah. Right, so that, that'll that be interesting, certainly for the tag team division. Um, and a weird, I, I don't know if you guys have seen anything else online, or maybe from someone's indie gimmick, you might be able to give me a clue, but I had no clue. There was three times uh, last night on NXT where a Charger logo came up. So it came up the first time, charging 1%, charging 10%, charging 23%. I have no idea who this could possibly be. Do you do you guys have any inklings?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um n- see no. No, when you when usually when you do that sort of thing, like it it gives an a sort of inkling. Mm-hmm. Um but when there's like they even tweeted out saying booting up and you're like Oh my God! Are they going to bring in Baymax?
2: <laughs> I, I thought because like it's hard to know that they signed so many people over the last couple of years to NXT as well. That it's hard to think who could be they'd be debuting with this new gimmick. Uh, but then I'm wondering with this whole charging thing—is this going to be somebody's gimmick that they can't they can't wrestle? Uh, they can't wrestle a match over a certain length because they just don't have the the charge to do so. so yeah, they have like, to just go back. And they had to go backstage and charge if their match was over like 15 minutes
1: well I, I I was hoping you guys would know I have no clue but we'll we'll move on to another debut that we saw this past week which was um, the main roster debut of NXT UK's uh, sorry what is she called in NXT U- uh, P- Piper Niven uh, Piper Niven sorry um or, as you know, they're in Scotland and in, uh, in ICW. Viper Viper debuts, as was rumoured, with Eva Marie as the sort of heavy. She took Eva Marie's place in the match. I don't think any of us thought that Eva Marie match was going to happen. <laughs> um, uh, she squashed Naomi. She acted as if she had never won a match before. <laughs> and it looks like they're doing a sort of Daniel Bryan, Miz, uh, partner-protege sort of thing. Um, I want to get your guys' thoughts on it because I'm going to be honest, right, and I know we're Scottish and all that, but that, being Scottish is not enough to get me behind you, right? I, I'm not going to suddenly cheer people just because they came from the same small stretch of land as me, okay? <laughs> and I... She hasn't exactly set the heather on fire in NXT UK. Obviously, there's been a pandemic, not all her fault. She hasn't to me, ICW's women's division—we've spoken about it many a time—it's not much to write home about. For the simple fact, they're not given storylines, bar the fact that there is a a champion, and that is it. Like the the storyline is you're going after the women's title.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I I just I I don't get Viper. I'm sorry, I'll have the ICW fans group chasing after me. I I really don't care. I don't get viper i know david campbell is on board with this sort of character this sort of like it, it looks like eva's using her basically eva's going to use her to get to the top i mean and yeah. it could it could work it's only a weekend but i'm just i'm not excited about it well like i went in
0: po i went and in- uh, pointed out in the group chat is it is essentially just a recycle of what they did with Eva Marie and Nia Jax in NXT um, and yeah. where Nia was literally just the muscle but we already had Nia wrestling and um, like we had her doing like her squash matches and like one actually squashing uh, the longest reigning NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray um, in a match so it's I want to give it a chance like it's it's always nice seeing someone that's obviously your heritage like we were all buzzing when Drew made a return we were all buzzing when Nikki Cross went and got herself signed to NXT um, and then got her like got herself brought up and obviously she's now well she was trying to get like a women's title match and I don't know what's going on with that now um, so you, you part of your like the whole The whole nationalist behind you wants to actually, like, push for it. But the wrestling fan, uh, because they they made absolutely no reference to her being from NXT UK, but a lot of fans now watch NXT UK, um, especially because there was, first of all, nothing really else to watch. Um, And they were starting to bring out new things. And it's not like she wasn't featured in the Mae Young Classic, which they made a very, very big deal over. Like, she made it to the quarterfinals in the Mae Young Classic in the first year, like, losing out to Tony Storm and um, before, like, was it the quarters or the semis? Something like that. But it was one of the finals that she got all the way to under the name Piper Niven. So it's not like the WWE universe don't know who the hell she is. um, But having her come out looking all angry and then like storming to the ring, she's like clearly the girl that knows what she's doing. Like, if she was the protege, she'd be like a bit hesitant. Like this is the way that Eva Marie's making her out is that she's her protege. Now we all know in reality, Viper has miles and miles and miles of more experience in wrestling than what Eva Marie will ever have in her pinky finger. Um but it doesn't it, 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 right, we all know that that doesn't make sense like, but we know that WWE just does not make sense um, but Viper going to the ring acting like, it's like yeah I know what I'm doing I'm going to squash her yeah. and then acting as if she'd never won like you've got to be consistent um, but I- I'll give it a chance I mean even Marie taking all the credit though so that she won the match and you're like bitch your hair did not even get a centimeter out of place
2: <laughs> to, to drink uh, devil's advocate for a second <laughs> uh,
0: don't drink it I.
2: Uh, yeah, you never had advocate
1: <laughs> but, right scott you're playing dick advocate anyway what we, what's your point <laughs> <laughs>
2: like i've i agree with ross in that you shouldn't cheer for somebody just because they happen to be from where you're from and that's uh rather than you're you like them as a wrestler the character the thing that they all oh, feel like it's it sparked quite a discussion in our esr group chat and some people say, know oh, how can you not support this person they're from so like i'm just I, i'm i still believe that them being from where being where i'm from is like the main thing i should support them on and that's why i should be a fan give me more reason for that but like you said that like will not know who she is i think there will be a portion of the monday night raw audience who doesn't know who she is mm-hmm. i mean they did deserve, they deserved a bit more than saying who is this young lady like not even referring to her as like for a yeah,
0: that she's a five-year-old child because that's what you say so god like, well, who's this young lady that's
2: very do, pa- do your parents know you're wrestling naomi <laughs> <laughs> oh, but like yeah like the way she reacted to winning, like maybe she's just happy to win a match on Monday Night Raw, you know, our de- in her debut. Because uh, it was quite shocking that she beat Squash, the former women's champion, like so quickly with Naomi. And, you know, I, I actually like what they're doing, you know, that like Eve Marie claiming that she's won and then Piver being so happy for her. Because I think this is again what they were doing before Eve Marie left creative ways to get Eve Marie like, Not over, terrible. but without <laughs> wrestling, yeah. Yeah, I definitely like <laughs> if, if they give her like a Raw Women's title match because like, oh, I'm undefeated, I've won X-Men matches but Piper's wrestled them all that's, that's a perfect heel gimmick I think, and all this outrage oh, how dare they, Piper's got all this experience more, she's nobody is she like, yeah. exactly like, exactly like oh, Daniel Bryan and Miz, yes you were meant to be annoyed about Daniel Bryan and the Miz and you're meant to be annoyed about this they're doing this to well, <laughs> they're doing this because guess what, these two
0: they're heels you're <laughs> not meant to like them I just want the voiceover So Eva Marie is currently on vacation in the Faroe Islands <laughs> I don't know I, I just one set of islands but I want that voiceover to come back every now and again <laughs> that's,
2: that's where they met I, I joked before like how long is that vacation in the British <laughs> Elsie she's taken that's how she met Piper. that's how they became mentor and that's protege how, it all makes sense her. now yep.
0: she found her well, struggling on the UK indies
2: I think
1: I would love it to be like Old timey US TV Series to see when Like an actor is taken ill or an actor's filming a movie back in the day And it used to be like in this episode Of Monday Night Raw the role of Eva Marie will be played by Viper and (laughs) Viper just Wins up dye Viper's hair red Have her win all the matches for Eva Marie And then Eva gets a title match I'm on board with that okay I'm on board with that
2: (laughs) These are Ms. though (laughs)
1: Yeah, Miz, Yes, yes. She is yeah. Eva Misdow. Um,
0: um, I'll be all for it if she's like Eva, Eva Marie Misdow, Eva Misdow.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, but sorry, this, i Sorry,
2: to Scott. And like, all people were saying, like, oh, like, why? You, this is like Daniel Bryan Miz all over again. Like, yeah. And I pretty I, came, I think it was something called that like that like, yeah, the guy who was more experienced was meant to be the protege, but it kind of worked out well for the protege, I and mean, you see what Daniel Bryan's done. So maybe. And the end, this will help actually get Piper over with the Monday Night Raw audience, people who might know no she is. So uh, I think I'd say to some people who are there who weren't a fan of this, maybe give it a chance, they give it more than one week.
0: I'm waiting on Nia, just going, excuse me, you've replaced me with a smaller version.
2: We've replaced you with someone who can wrestle and doesn't injure everyone she steps in the ring with.
1: Well... I will end this this section of the show which is harking back to um, our history of... Uh, uh, there was a Scottish Imports we did where yeah, I mentioned dude. on the ICW official page every time they mention a match, who do you think this mystery opponent could be? <laughs> and all of a sudden everyone comments, could be Drew. It could be Drew or someone, <laughs> and I, I swear to God... I swear to God that this comment broke me. It was Pete Dunne would be decent. Like I- I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so- the guy who just won War Games and held the UK title for 650 plus days would be decent. Where were your expectations, <laughs> sir? <laughs> and I can't wait for someone next time. I, I-, I don't even. Uh, is it still? Is it still AVO who's the women's champion in ICW?
0: She vacated um, because she was injured just before lockdown happened.
1: Right. So obviously, I, I, yeah. So I, I've got a feeling before like the next time ICW has fans in attendance, it will it will probably be you know Casey versus mystery opponent, and everyone will comment. It'll be Viper. It's not going to be Viper. She's in Raw. She's left. It, it's like. You don't get this in any other job Like <laughs> when I left Asda And they need cover People went to my work gone. Be good if Ross was in the day Ross could show up today no, Ross, <laughs> is,
2: Ross doesn't want Asda <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: She doesn't even go here
2: <laughs> Yeah, Eva Marie has come and saved Piper from not having to come back to ICW shows In front of I mean, 200 or so people Now she gets to wrestle on Monday Night Raw in front of the world.
0: I mean, exactly. It could be it's like you'll you'll get the comments going, or oh, it could be even Marie with Viper. Oh no! Oh my
2: God! Yes. Even Marie's not going to come to the fucking garage or the asylum or whatever it is. Uh,
1: exactly. I was about to say that
2: demo demo coming
1: back was a nice surprise, but it's the worst thing that's ever happened because ever since then <laughs> it's just been unrealistic expectations. But as I move on from people that clearly know no better on Facebook.
2: <laughs> I mean, Russ, you moaned at us for uh, potentially damaging our listeners in England. I think you've just. We've just. just, alienated the whole of just ali- we've <laughs> alienated majority of Glasgow and other parts of Scotland, you know, being a Scottish wrestling podcast or podcast based in you? Scotland. Don't
1: know really? what you mean, and I'm going to move on from that accusation. Well, um, You're still from. So from someone like myself who can't read the room when it comes to Scotland to people that can't clearly read the room when it comes to good taste, and that's the WWE Board of Directors, because it looks like we're going to get another Saudi show soon. Um, Obviously, the Saudi Arabia deal was for, I believe, two pay-per-views a year for 10 years. We got one in February of 2020, and then obviously lockdown happened. We've had none in 2021. Um, these are obviously big money makers for WWE, so you can understand, especially with the pandemic, why they would go to, you know, get, like, if they've signed a 10 year contract, they're kind of stuck in it. But I, I don't think anyone's jumping out their out their seats for another, you know, Super Showdown or Greatest Royal Rumble, are they?
0: With what roster? Mm
1: hmm well exactly exactly
0: they don't, they don't have a roll
1: star <laughs> that, that, that kind of sums it up I I would actually be interested because I'm, I'm just thinking here guys um back when we did uh, eat sleep suplex retweet patreon the I believe the first show on it was the three of us reviewing um crown jewel <laughs> and I would wow, be interested bloody. I would be. It was twenty tw- no twenty nineteen twenty nineteen because Brock had just won the the title. Um, I would be very very interested to see who is still on that roster. Who, like who from that battle royal is still? I'm actually going to Google it just now. Like right? because I mean, we don't I- want to talk about the new pay per so I'm just going to Google that. now.
2: I mean, right off the bat, one of the featured matches in that show was Tyson Fury v Braun.
0: Oh my God.
2: Right. and, and Russ, I think I correct you there because you, you paused for a second I didn't get a chance to do this you said the TV show was for and I went money a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of money <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah
0: I'm,
1: I'm trying to get the thing on crown oh, the,
0: home,
2: the hometown <laughs> return what was Ma- the
0: guy that won the number one contender shirt to the US Oh, he's no bloody there anymore
2: that
1: was it Humberto? Humberto's oh, yeah. still there. Is he? No, Humberto's still there. Humberto. Well, oh, he's, 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 he's still there. It's the last
0: time
2: you've seen him. Well, we're going to continue the Saudi streak of Mansoor, the Saudis, Jedi's favourite son, who I actually quite like as a wrestler. He's very underrated. You know, I think people pointed out that he's lost to Seamus in a episode of Raw. It's actually the first time he's lost. Well,
1: there um, you go. Look. Um, there was a a gauntlet match Um, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode were in it they're still there Lucha House Party are still there Hawkins and Ryder are gone Tucker from Heavy Machinery is gone Day are still there B Team are gone Revival are gone the OC are gone Um, (laughs) and then hold on uh, Humberto won a Battle Royal so let's see who was in the Battle Royal Uh, Great Maverick Heath Slater's gone Brian Kendrick's retired Eric Young's gone Mojo Rawley's gone Sin has gone way jose Jose's gone uh, Buddy Murphy's gone Andrade's gone And Luke Harper's unfortunately no longer with us And Eric Rowan is gone
2: <laughs> Then we get This is the worst game of Guess Who I've ever played in my life
1: Kane <laughs> <laughs> Velasquez Gone uh, Braun Strowman Gone Lacey
0: Evans is having
1: a baby. Lacey Evans, maternally rusev, gone.
0: Um.
1: <laughs> Jesus, I, that that is that that is a. There you are, guys. You could you could do a full show with the people that are no longer there from the last time they did a Crown jewel show. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, I'm going to move on from that.
0: Uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's supposed to be news as well. <laughs> I know, I know.
2: I mean, it's it's, it's going to be the same thing. Like they're going to bring back some legend or something, or someone's going to get botched spectacularly, and that's all anyone's going to talk about. Because there's always something worth talking about with these shows, whether it's the Goldberg Undertaker fiasco, or it's usually something Goldberg-related or Undertaker-related when it comes to these shows. Like when everybody suddenly found out, oh my god. Came with Glen Jacobs all along.
0: <laughs> should just start taking bets of like what legend is going to get brought back for the show. DBS,
2: him versus LA Knight. That's where it's all leading to. Oh,
0: oh yes, I, I you know. I'd
1: like that. I, I would actually like that. I would like DBS and Cameron Grimes in a tag match against Eli Knight and you know IRF. what, man should in there. IRS I, bring IRS I, yes no, Deviati no. versus IRS for uh, right you know what I'm all aboard the Saudi train now Woo-hoo, here we go hey,
2: <laughs> hey, speaking of Deviati should have mentioned during the in your house portion how old was the graphic they used for him for the ladder match I'm pretty ah. sure it was from like 1990 like 1991 or something like that I printed out a photo of Deviati so he could sign it when I went I met him at meet and greet he looks the same in the photo I've got that he's signed as he did in the graphic In Your House, so that goes to show how old that photo probably is.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but um, we, we talk about like Saudi shows not being the best. Um, we touched on, obviously, Vince McMahon's just trying to get through this. Um, and, you know, he's aware the product's bad. Hopefully it'll pick up. You know they might need more Saudi money invested in the company, so you never know. The Saudi shows might become the new WrestleMania quality shows. Who knows? Don't hold your breath on that though. Um, right. Scott, you were talking. Sorry, on you go, Sarah. I
0: had a hiccup when you said, "Don't hold your breath."
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, you were talking about uh, New Japan have apparently rearranged some shows. Just give us a quick, uh, a quick summary of this and then obviously you can go into more detail on East meets West
2: yeah definitely Uh, we're hoping to have an episode out uh, either end of this week or sometime next week Uh, but we had Wrestle Grand Slam which may happen last month Uh, we're going to have in the middle of the month it was going to be Wrestle Grand Slam at Yokohama Stadium it's a big baseball stadium in Japan, and then a big Tokyo Dome show towards the end of the month where Osprey was meant to fight Okada but Osprey injuries and like changes to the Covid protocol for a few weeks cause all that to be uh, postponed. So they've announced that Wrestle Grand Slam in the Tokyo Dome is going to happen on July 25th, where Shingo Takagi will make his first defense of the IWGP World Heavyweight title against Kota Ibushi. And they've also announced that uh, Wrestle Grand Slam will be coming for two nights at MetLife Dome in where, where is it? Uh, in, in Saitama, I think that's how you pronounce it, our big venue, big baseball stadium in Japan on the 4th and 5th of September those two shows will be happening uh, which I'm going to discuss this more with Grant on uh, East and West but I'm wondering because uh, last year New Japan pushed the G1 back to like, late September early October and I'm wondering if this will these shows in September will either be the last big shows they have before they start of the G1 or maybe could they start the G1 at these shows having like night, the 4th of September be the A Block night and this the 5th of September will be the B-block night. Either way, I think it'll be very close to G1 time those happen. but to hear more on this story, uh, do tune in to East Meets West when that comes out uh, the next week.
1: Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah, well, thank you very much. That was Scott in the Japan studio there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm, off to, I'm off to do my two weeks quarantine before I can come back on the show.
1: Yeah, maybe you can get a flight out with the new Celtic manager. <laughs> <laughs> but We'll, we'll end with a nice wee story because we've obviously we've discussed everything that's going on in the wrestling world and it's mostly in America at the moment and Japan, but it would be nice to get some live wrestling back in the UK and Discovery Wrestling, they're probably, they, they, it, I think it's probably safe to say they're comfortably the second biggest promotion maybe in the UK, in, sorry, in Scotland. Obviously, ICW has name recognition. The WWE partnership, Discovery have got a record of bringing in people who are maybe, maybe not on the best of terms with WWE, but they bring in a lot of new Japan talent. They've had the Bullet Club versus Discovery shows. They've had you know the likes of uh, Kenny Omega and the Bucks wrestle on their shows, and they've tweeted out a wee teaser that they're planning a big announcement this coming Sunday. Obviously, Sarah, you. I was about to say, you live in Edinburgh. You used to live in Edinburgh. It's your <laughs> hometown. It, I mean, people said you were the token women on this show. It's not. It's that you're the token Edinburgh burger. We've got to have at least one of these on the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, you can't really call me that anymore. Well, you still can, but obviously I live in Glasgow now, so it's to be fun. But, um, <laughs> well,
2: there's that
1: diversity. Look, you'll never be, be one. one. We'll not accept you, all right? You, you just <laughs> accept it, okay? <laughs> no, but, uh, No! Next night, <laughs> before this come, becomes a hate crime um, it's nice to see even if it's just a rumour even if it's the faint hope that we could have live wrestling again soon
0: yeah I mean we know that um, obviously the Jam House has closed out which is the actual home of Discovery so they're going to have to find a new home but they do like to run some shows at the Corner Exchange which if we're still keeping social distancing measures you could easily still run a show at the corner exchange and have it a decent capacity. Um, and I think they're hopefully looking for that for hopefully October, I think was the last time I heard they were trying to maybe get something in set in stone. And obviously with the announcement of Comic-Con um, in Edinburgh as well, um, ho- hopefully nudged um, friend of the podcast, Alan, in the direction of um, you know possibly bringing Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara. Because um, I know that there's a lot of AEW talent, including, like, Eva Luno uh, wants to come and wrestle for Discovery. So if they're able to if they're able to come over for, for Comic-Con, then it, it would be really, really cool to see them bring over these sorts of talent. Um, especially because, you know, Discovery is the friend of the Bucks. Um, so hopefully it'll be quite fun. And obviously, Eva Luno has told me... <laughs> He wanted to wrestle for Discovery, so that'll be my main goal. Is trying to convince Alan to bring Eva Luna over and bring the Dark Order.
1: Scott is is you along with me. We still have tickets for a killer show from May <laughs> twenty twenty and a November twenty twenty Fear and Loathing show. So I mean, it's, it looks like it'll be at least November twenty twenty one. Until we get to use at least one of those tickets, <laughs> you know, the thought of being able to go and buy tickets for stuff again, mm-hmm. and actually being able to go to these things, even if it, even if it is Edinburgh, you know that that horrible place that produces horrible, horrible, horrible people, it, it's just nice to go, Winston Scott.
2: <laughs> oh yes, lovely. I mean, I I remember I've only been at one show, but I got to get my photo taken with Colt Cabana at that show. He had a really fun match against uh, Joe Hendry. I remember on that show. Uh, my memory of that is also slightly uh, one other memory from that show is slightly spoiled because uh, one of the members who was former of NETU came in and cracked out some fun chanting something at him which we can't, I can't talk about now because that guy is not someone we should be talking about anymore mm-hmm. but you know maybe I'll maybe I'll make some better memories if I get to go back again and yeah uh, I'm sorry to anybody in England that was offended by what me inserted but Ross is just now alienating most of Glasgow and now focusing on Edinburgh <laughs> well, careful everybody else it's lucky we're rounding this up because he'd go right you don't want to hear what he says about Inverness <laughs>
1: <laughs> but for Ross's thoughts on Aberdeen Inverness and Dundee tune in <laughs> next week to ASSR Central where I'll be taking a dartboard throwing it at the map of the UK and expressing why I dislike your hometown but yeah it's, um, it's been fun guys we've had a lot of things to round up eh, a lot of things to talk about and obviously a nice wee nice wee thing to end the show when we could be back in a wrestling you know we could be back at a wrestling show within the near future I'm going to thank Sarah and Scott for coming on thank what you
0: Stephen's going to take this show off of you
1: absolutely <laughs> not he, he left it unattended it's mine it sort of looked missed with the TNA title um, <laughs> if you want to hear shows that aren't hosted by a raving lunatic like myself, you can check out the massive back catalogue of news, reviews, previews and interviews on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. You can find them on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course at Suplex Retweet, tell us why you hate a certain city on Twitter, (laughs) Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.